It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The man who solved Kirk Cousins' play action is now a Minnesota Viking. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and my bonuses are not likely to be earned. I'm Marie Fasson at Pro Football Network live on location, comma, in undisclosed location. Not this undisclosed stuff again. It's the Minnesota <laughs> football party. Let's do it. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Welcome in. Happy Monday. It's the Minnesota football party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. I am Sam Ekstrom. That's Arif Hassan. That's Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings. So much to get to on today's show, including Dean Lowry signing with the Minnesota Vikings. What exactly is going on with Zedaria Smith and Dalvin Cook? We're in a holding pattern right now with that news. And Adam Thielen has a new home. Plus, has the Vikings defense gotten better or worse in free agency? All of that and plenty more on today's Minnesota football party, which you can find as part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota family, which is available free wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Just subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota to get all of our videos, all of our shows, including Ron Johnson and Minnesota Sports Rankum. Um, gentlemen, before we get to our first topic today, we are brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Check out FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. Uh, where should we begin? How about the question that, that everybody is asking, Arif and Luke? What's up with Sidarius? What's up with Dalvin? These are the two names that we've had circled. We waited for the Friday news dump. We said, well, the, the Vikings always do this. They drop the bad news on Fridays. Darius has these guarantees that are kicking in today. Today's the day. Radio silence. We hear nothing. Dean Lowry signed. That was something. Uh, the Vikings added money to their books, but they did not make the move that we all expected. So, so Bron, let's start with you. Translate for us. Darius remains a Viking. Dalvin remains a Viking. What's up? Yeah, so... Uh, Friday, it was right, was the day that a bunch of money locked in for Zadarius Smith just became guaranteed salary, uh, which doesn't preclude any options. The Vikings technically could still cut Zadarius Smith, but if they were going to, you would think that if if the, if it was uh, hey, we'll get a new extension done or we'll cut you, you would probably want to resolve that one way or another before that deadline because now cutting him is that much less efficient. Um, it also it it like slightly changes trade con negotiations, maybe in favor of the Vikings, because now teams can't come and say, well, we're not going to pay you any draft picks. You might just cut them anyways. Well, now that's less likely. So that leverage kind of is, is changed a little bit. 
Um, but on the other hand, you know, you're trading a, a contract with more guaranteed salary. So it, it just kind of changes stuff. Um, but I would say that Darius Smith getting cut is just like a good bit less likely uh, and trading him and or working out something that he's a little bit more satisfied with is are, are both much more likely options. The thing about this is it doesn't really have to be urgently resolved until that extension, like they need whatever 2023 cap space that extension would create. If it even ex would create any, maybe they give him like a pay raise and maybe he costs more money. And that's something you can kind of handle. You can do that in June if you wanted to. Um, so I don't know if that's like an urgent matter. And then with, with Dalvin cook, I wonder if there is a holdup with him like recovering from that shoulder surgery with a trade. Maybe teams want him to be a little healthier before they actually process that. Hmm. Uh, but that's a, that's a total wild guess. I, I don't know what the holdup with that is, or, or maybe everybody's just waiting for the draft. There's a lot of good running backs in the draft who would trade for Dalvin Cook when you can get somebody that you like plenty in the fourth round of the draft, right? Um, and then maybe a team strikes out there, and then we process a trade like this again in, in June. Um that those are, I guess, my my I guesses for what the holdup on stuff is. Um, but the Vikings do have to make more cap space just to process everything that they've announced. Every everything that's been reported, if you tally it all up with with pay cuts and all of that stuff, they are uh, two to three million, depending on some little contract details that we don't have, two to three million over if they process everything, which they haven't yet, and they won't be able to until they clear other cap space. So, like, something's got to give here. Yeah, no doubt. It always felt to me like it was a trade that was going to be the end of Zedarius Smith. I think the Vikings would would probably assume that there's some some value in an asset like that to get something back. Um, it's not a post June one thing. The post June one is no, it's a negligible difference. The, they're not going to yeah. make him a camp cut. Um, they're not going to bring him in to do that charade. So I I think that they're probably waiting for whatever to formulate on the trade market comes together. Um, Arif, do you have any opinions on this? Yeah, I, I think that the idea that the the guaranteed locking in, um, I, th I thought that was kind of broken from the start, the idea that that would create a deadline on the Zadarius Smith trade. Um, I will say one thing to kind of keep in mind is that from my understanding, the guarantee that locks in is essentially a roster bonus. So it doesn't get paid out right away, which means that a structure change in his contract, which converts maybe a roster bonus to a signing guarantee, is still or a signing bonus is still absolutely on the table as a means of both providing him more cash up front and reducing the amount of cap hit this year, right? And so the the fact that it hasn't been paid out. In fact, I actually don't think from an accounting perspective it matters whether the money is physically in his bank account. But the fact that it is locked in as guaranteed doesn't change your capacity to convert guarantees into signing bonus, right? And so it is still as possible as before to restructure. It's just the nature of the options available to you. Those options have narrowed, but I don't think they would have substantially changed uh, from if they wanted to change, uh, you know, uh, a, a way that they would restructure him, right? And so the only thing is, obviously, if they restructure him, it is pretty untenable to trade him because then you take a dead money hit, essentially, if you if you extend him with a signing bonus and then trade him. Um, but you know, trading is still on the block. I think that you probably have to ask for a little bit more because you're taking on more guaranteed money. But trading is still on the block. Uh, restructuring is still on the block. Um, I kind of just, we don't have a real reason why he wanted to be released, right? Like we, 
we didn't get that right he, so he wanted to play the market according to money. uh darren wolfson okay which makes sense he's got not that much money and none of it's guaranteed so uh, i mean i don't want to be anti-labor or anything like that but he did kind of sign up for this right like, yeah, know. yeah, he's he's had he to sign the prove it deal. deal. Yeah, yeah, he he had to sign the prove it deal because of his back. He played all the games, he hit all his incentives, and I think he he wanted to go back to the table. And I think he just assumed that the Vikings wouldn't want to, and the Vikings were like, "Wait, no, we're cool with that. Let's talk later." <laughs> right? Yeah. I my guess is that he's going to get his money this year somehow. So um, that's not a concern to me. The Dalvin Cook thing, I it would not shock me if that happened during or after the draft. I mean. Sometimes these just happen during and after the draft. Interesting. Is it possible that with all the, the noise around Zadarius, that it's all been a red herring and the guy we should really be looking at is Daniil Hunter because Daniil Hunter is in just as precarious a spot contractually. He's certainly such an awkward contract to trade. You have to post unit and you take a lot of yeah. dead money. And the only, the only reason you post unit is to split that money up so that Daniel Hunter doesn't become more expensive in 2023. Yeah. And if you post unit, the, the cap space you clear from post unit, it doesn't actually arrive until June 1st. Yeah. So it's, it's tough to work with. And the are, rest of it are you probably, it's, it's so, yeah. so you're, you're probably trading with the team that would be interested in extension. Does that alleviate some of the untradeability of that contract? No, not because for the you. team has to commit. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, not for you. The team still has to commit money to it, so it's going to make it difficult for you to demand as much in a trade if it is understood that there's an extension. I mean, that's one of the reasons that some of these trades that we've seen, like the Jalen Ramsey trade, for example, went for so little because there's an expectation that new money coming in from the trading team, the team that acquires, is going to limit the value of, of the asset, essentially, that you're acquiring. In this case, the assets, the contract, but yeah. And, and with a contract like Hunter's, like fr from the Vikings side, they have to go to a team and say, well, we're going to take a bunch of dead money if we do this. And you're getting Daniil Hunter at 4.9 mil. We need we need more because of that. We need, we need more compensation. And then the other team will say, well, we need to give them whole contract. So we need to give you less because of that. And that just like widens the gap mm -hmm. between teams making an agreement and makes it that much harder to come to one. It's all very interesting. As it stands now, the Vikings have a lot of big name players on their defensive line. And uh, I don't know if Dean Lowry is a big name player, but they added a piece from Green Bay, a guy who's logged a lot of mileage for not being spectacular as a player. 4,000 snaps with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, he's got some tread or not as much tread on those tires. 28 years old. Vikings signed him to another two year deal, which Quazy is in and Rob Brzezinski are already mastering the structure of. They are wearing the heck out of the void years. Um, they're being really creative with you know, signing bonuses, workout bonuses, and, and low guarantees, low cap hits in this first year. Uh, so Dean Lowry comes in, I assume, as a bigger, better Jonathan Bullard as the five tech. Not an outside linebacker. Um, probably hand in the ground. He'll give you a little bit of pass rushing, give you a little bit of run stopping, and do all of it solidly but not at a Pro Bowl or spectacular level, have I evaluated Dean Lowry uh, to to the, your standards, Arif? Yeah, no, I think that that's that's correct. I mean, what's interesting is seeing Packers fans kind of react to all of this. I mean, some of it is just like, oh my God, the Vikings have signed another former Packer, which is like, I look at another division and see those transactions, right? In division signings happen like all the time, uh, but. Uh, like the Packers weren't complaining when they signed a bear safety, right? Like it's, this just happens. Right. But, um, 
the thing that's kind of interesting is you take a look back on how uh, Packers fans and Packers analysts have evaluated Dean Lowry, and they were really high on him at the end of 2021, much more than I was. I thought that their enthusiasm was a little bit much. And then at the end of 2022, they were really, really low on him without an understanding uh, at that point that he was going to be on another team. They just thought, you know, he, he was turning into a liability, that his power wasn't there, that he's getting blown up in the run game a little bit too much. And I'm wondering if some of that is conditioned by the fact that they had set really high standards for him and he failed to meet them. And some of it's conditioned by a, a genuine drop off in play. Either way, I'm really curious about the reasoning behind why his play maybe dropped off a little bit in 2022, which means, of course, that, you know, if you're Vikings fans, it means you're buying the dip. And if you're Packers fans, it means that the Vikings are buying a, a poisoned asset. Right. And so that I, I'm really curious about kind of what what the what the issue is there. But I think on the whole, evaluating his last three years of play, I think that your analysis is correct, that he is um, a solid, um, well above the level of a rotational player, well below the level of like an impact starter, but somebody you're really comfortable with starting and someone you're extremely comfortable with rotating in, um, I think is is probably, and I think, you know, from the perspective of projecting role, I think Jonathan Bullard plus is correct. I think in terms of like comparing skill sets and styles or whatever, you know, that's probably off. But I think in terms of what he would do for the Vikings, I think that's probably correct. Mm -hmm. I, I will never forget Dean Lowry, like just cracking the code of the Kirk Cousins bootleg. And, right, and like and, back in 2020, right? Both of those games were disastrous. Yeah. yeah I can't remember if it was 2020. Like it, it might be 2019. Was a, the, yeah, the 2019. 2019 Monday night game where Zadarius right, just got all because, his sacks. <laughs> because then uh, after that, San Francisco used that as a template. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was Green Bay did it week did two too. that year. Yeah. And nobody else did until Green Bay did it again. Week yep. 16. <laughs> nobody else watched that tape, I guess. <sighs> yeah. Well, didn't he just stand out there in like a wide, wide nine? And just wait yeah, just, for him, and they let Dalvin Cook run the ball. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, they did not attack Dalvin Cook from the backside. Yeah, and they just took away every rollout, and it seemed yeah. like Kirk Cousins like slowly that that kind of blueprint got out there, and uh, the rollouts have gotten a little less effective in in recent years. But Dean Lowry, Luke Braun, your take? Yeah, pretty similar spot. Uh, I think he's kind of just a dude. And that's okay. He's making just a dude money. Um, so I feel really neutral about it. It feels like they purchased an asset for what that asset costs. Uh, and I, I don't, I see people calling him a Dalvin Tomlinson replacement. I think that expects far too much of him. And I still think that defensive tackle is, is a need. I think the Vikings, I would love for them to get uh, one more inarguably kind of every down starting quality guy up there. Uh, I think Harrison Phillips, Kyrie's Tonga, and Dean Lowry isn't quite good enough. I want one more body um, to sort of either create a rotation, create a competition. But the acquisition of Dean Lowry is not something that really moves the needle for me either way. It's fine. So let, let's go piece by piece on the defense and look at the exchanges that have been made. Um, I don't know, like you said, I don't know if saying that Tomlinson and Lowry are a direct exchange. Maybe it's more Lowry for Bullard, but but you have lost That's, Tomlinson. I think like, so. Yeah. Like, so you still need to replace him. Yeah. So so you are in in that sense, you have probably gotten worse. Um Peterson for Murphy. Is that a better or worse exchange? I would I would it's venture better. to say you think it's better. I, See, I, I don't know. So my my take on this is that the role that Peterson was asked to play, he'll play better than the role Murphy will be asked to play. 
but the role Murphy will be asked to play is far more valuable. So the defense will be better. Our evaluation of how Murphy is playing will probably be worse than Peterson's uh, level of play. But he was just asked to do a lot less. He did it really well, but he was asked to do a lot less, and it limited your opportunities elsewhere just because of the things that that you kind of focused uh, you know, Peterson in on. Well stated. And Luke Braun, you're fired up about, about Byron Murphy. I'm guessing that's am, an improvement yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think he can actually be a corner that shadows someone, and you could never ask Patrick Peterson to do that. Like, kind of famously, well, that's I, what went wrong for him. And I don't know if I in, want Murphy shadowing anyone, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, if if he can kind of reclaim what he was doing at the beginning of 2022, that that is what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and it was super, I, I, super dope. But with the the corner room in general is still like you've lost Aaron. Shannon Sullivan, you've lost Duke Shelley, you haven't replaced them. Are we assuming replacement players are coming for them, or are we saying like we got to play a game tomorrow? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good question. Duke, uh, Duke Shelley's still on the market, right? Yeah. I didn't miss anything. Okay. No, no, no. He didn't sign with anybody. It's just um, right now he's not on the roster, so we're projecting essentially he's not in the room, right? Yeah. yeah. So, that's, that's fair. Or, and or are we projecting as sort of oh we get a whoever. And call right, like if, if we fill out the cornerback room with a bunch of like uh, replacement players, replacement level players, is the defense better or worse? Or are we projecting, like, say, a draft pick there? Right. Well, let's let's put yeah. let's put names to it: Dantzler sure. and Shelley out, Evans and Booth in. I think that's worse. That's yeah, because they were there before. Worse. Yeah, I that sucks. Um, not they suck. I mean. They could use some work, but that question sucks. Not again, Sam, not an insult to you. It just, it's difficult to untangle all of the elements of this question because we're supposed to project, you know, improvement for rookies. I did like what I saw from Evans in a very small sample. uh, And it was more, I liked what that projects to than I liked his level of performance, right? I like how he played and what that should look like going forward. But again, small sample. Um, so is the defense better? Probably not, but it's not like Damsler was, was killing it. And I don't want to be overconfident with the really high level of play that Duke Shelley, you know, put together because I've seen, you know, small sample cornerbacks do really well and then fall off, especially with the size speed profile that Duke Shelley has. So would the defense be better next year? if it was Duke Shelley and Cameron Dancer starting next year, instead of a Caleb uh, Evans and Andrew Booth starting next year, probably not. But compared to how they played last year versus how I project this group to play next year, also probably not, if that makes sense. Un- unquestionably, the best exchange that's been made here was Donatel for Flores. And yes. with Flores, they're hoping that that framework can yield maximum results out of players that that most most of them are projecting like murphy is a projection asamoa is a projection booth and evans are projections someone like lowry you know that i think that's more so you know what you're going to get um like kendricks for asamoa that's certainly a worse team on paper based on priors but asamoa projecting forward i think you i think you like that exchange especially when you take into account money but it probably makes them a worse team on paper next year potentially yeah 
it, it, I guess depends on how you feel about specifically the 2022 version of Kendricks, because our yeah. opinion of Kendricks is a lot of priors going into it in 2022 probably doesn't influence that opinion as much. I don't think it should. Uh, but if you're just taking 2022, that's a, that's a, a worse asset, but I still think you're getting worse by cutting him and not replacing him by anybody, but the rookie who was already on the roster. This is a stupid question. Was Kendrick's green dot last yeah. year? Yeah. So who's green dot now? Hicks? Might be on small. Hmm? I would imagine it's Hicks. I'm guessing Hicks. Yeah. Take, take and take it off the rookie's plate or the second year guy's plate. Probably. Yeah. That's probably the, the thought process behind it. Um, so I, I feel like, in summary, there is a very pessimistic viewpoint that if you want to be glass half empty, you can look at this restructured defense and say, well, they got worse here, they got worse here, they got worse here. The improvement is all theoretical. Um, and I think this is where you have to put so much faith in the Brian Flores scheme, that this is all going to work with a big schematic shift, because I don't know if the the apples to apples replacements are necessarily in themselves all home runs. I think they have to fit it's also, within this this Flores puzzle. Yeah, it's also incomplete. You know, they, they don't yep. have to play a game tomorrow. Uh, draft's still coming. They can still grab another corner if they wanted to. So that's also something to consider. It it might be worse on the whole right now, but we wouldn't expect it to be a completed thought a week into free agency. FanDuel brings us today's show. They're America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. March, March Madness yielded so many interesting beats over the weekend. NBA coming down the stretch as well as NHL. And even those XFL wagers that we parlay on every week. Uh, same game parlays give you a chance at big payouts and you get paid instantly after you win. Also, get that no-sweat-first bet. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on for up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. All right, still plenty to come here on the Minnesota Football Party. Hey, comment down below. Is the Vikings defense better or worse than when the season ended? Let us know. Locked on Sports Minnesota. Subscribe to the page and comment. Adam Thielen has a home. He lands in Carolina, reported three-year, $25 million deal, which, guys, I think it fits the valuation that we laid out on this show. He's about an $8 million per year guy. Third year of that deal, he may not see. And uh, he goes now to play with a rookie quarterback, number one overall pick, and uh, Terrace Marshall and LaVisca Chenault. Adam Thielen. <laughs> What what's he gonna do in Carolina, Arifasan? Uh he's gonna be the immediate wide receiver one. That's <laughs> that is rough. Uh so I mean Carolina does have in addition to obviously they're gonna spend the top pick or some combination of the top pick on a quarterback. Um and by some combination, I think it's like trade down. They'll still spend that on a quarterback, but they do have a second round pick because the second round pick that they traded away was San Francisco's. Uh and so uh they do have a second round pick. That is probably going to be on a receiver but if you take a look at the receivers projected to go near the top of the second round a lot of them are slot types almost all of them uh you know your zay joneses xavier hutchinson's jalen hyatt's josh downs's all of those people that i think would be pretty excellent in minnesota right but in a carolina passing offense 
I don't, there's not a big body, right? Your biggest body might be LaVisca Chenault because he's like pretty big for the kind of player he is. It might be Adam Thielen. Um, so that that is going to be a roster that right now is going to be probably a couple of wide receiver twos. Now, Adam Thielen has played the primary receiver role, unlike a lot of these guys. He knows what that looks like. He knows how to play it. The question is whether or not he continues to have like enough in the gas tank for that to be kind of his role, right? And it's not like they can offload this on a really high-value receiving running back. First, because that's just generally a fantasy. You don't have a running back that good at catching the ball. Otherwise, they'd be a pass catcher. And they don't have a tight end, right, that that has that cap- uh, capability. So uh, he is going to, you know, bear the burden in that Carolina offense in a big way, even after the draft, probably, again, depending on how the draft shakes out. So I'm optimistic for what this means in terms of his numbers. I'm not optimistic for what this team's in terms of Carolina, not because I don't think Adam Thielen doesn't have a lot to offer another team. Again, I thought that he actually played pretty well in Minnesota. Um, but I, I just don't see... Carolina getting substantially, you know, better as a result of this. If they already had a really high level receiver, say, I don't know, like a DJ Moore type, um, hmm. then I, yeah. You know, just, name out of thin air there. Yeah, just picking a name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that the Adam Thielen $8 million a deal, uh, $8 million a year deal would have more value for Carolina, right? It's not just a linear, you add this much value to the team. I think that the, complimentary, I guess I hate using this word, but it's actually the appropriate word to use here, synergy of having um, a complimentary receiver adds more value than having that guy as your primary receiver does. Well stated. Um, He could be a productive player, but also I think there's the risk too of just the the growing pains of a rookie first-year quarterback who's not guaranteed to be great right away. Adam Thielen is accustomed to a very, I, I think he's a very timing centric receiver. He's accustomed to quarterbacks knowing where he's going to be. He's had the same one for five years. Um, there's a lot of timing involved in the way that he catches passes. I, uh, I get what you're saying. Uh, he had a great year with Case Keenum first, and that was definitely not that. Uh, um, but also he does improvise a lot more than I think a lot of receivers in West Coast systems tend to do. And he expects Kirk Cousins to kind of keep up. And it was more they had a really good level of communication and chemistry than I think it is the specificity of their timing. I will say, if you ask Adam Thielen to run a route and get to the spot at the right time, he will do that, right? He's very good in timing-oriented offenses. But, but I do think that he was a very careful freelancer, right? He was hmm. he, I, I, Cautious is probably not the right word, but deliberate might be because he was willing to freelance and throw off the timing of a play if he thought it was going to help. Um, and he talked about this a little bit on some, you know, they, when they do like the, the player spotlights on, on film breakdowns and stuff like that. Um, he does talk about this a little bit. Like I took a little bit extra time on this release. knowing I'm going to be half a second late to get to my spot because I know I'm also going to be a yard more open and that's going to be more helpful. So I will say he knows how to operate outside of a timing offense. We saw that with Case Keenum. He knows how to break a timing offense. We saw that with Kirk Cousins. But if you do ask him to run like a, a very specific timing offense, he'll run it really well. Ron, part of the part of the reason that 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 Case Keenum offense worked too is because both Diggs and Thielen were really big inaccuracy erasers. Yes, that they had good bodies, good catch radiuses, and so like I think it's radii. You could radi- yeah, yeah, catch radii. Uh, yeah, I'm coming off could... of you in math class. Come on, well, not English class. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you could you could miss by a little bit and those guys would go up and get it which i i just think about hmm anthony richardson yeah exactly in florida he had the opposite of uh yeah. inaccuracy erasers right he had oh accuracy God, erasers like frustrating. Those, some of those passes were perfect and the yeah. receiver's like i uh, oh god those what do you want me to do are... with this catch the ball get out of here <laughs> <laughs> so it's like well if the panthers wanted to chase a higher ceiling i guess that helps yeah uh, no, that's, that's true that's true something um but no i i think i think Thielen bet on himself a little bit and and i think it paid off i don't think he was going to get a contract like this from from minnesota when all was said and done if he decided he was going to go through with the, whatever they renegotiated to um and so you know good for him and he certainly wouldn't get the market share here because of justin jefferson so i think this works out for adam Thielen very well yeah exactly um, so I think it works out for, for Thielen specifically very well. Um, but ca- kind of alluding to what Arif was talking about, this might be more of a, Hey, Adam Thielen might be a decent fantasy pick, but I don't know if the Panthers will be good. <laughs> One could see a scenario too, where the Panthers do find a wide receiver pretty highly in the draft. And then Adam Thielen is asked to be the mentor to him that he was to Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson and that was that was an easier sell with JJ because he was coming from a position of strength. Diggs was gone. He was the top dog. No one knew Justin Jefferson was a Hall of Fame talent. And uh, and now Thielen, our, already feeling like he was sort of spurned by Minnesota, may ask to be in those in that position again and watch somebody ascend past him on the depth chart that the team has a lot more invested in. It just, these are the things that happen when you're in your thirties and you're at toward the end of your career, like unsavory things happen. So my, my best to him, I hope that he like fends off those, those uh, young receivers and, and, you know, does well for them for a couple of years here. But it, it is hard for me to see like this being a long, happy, flourishing marriage with Thielen and the Panthers where there's wins and, and he's the new star. Um, I think he'll be a, a piece. Well, okay, so so if Thielen somehow makes LaVisca Chanel like a good receiver, right? He takes uh, LaVisca under his wing and LaVisca actually becomes a good receiver. If he brings along a rookie and he helped bring along Justin Jefferson, you got you got to make him a wide receivers coach after he retires. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> And didn't Diggs take a lot of stuff from him? Or they kind of learned a bunch of stuff they, together. They learned from like each, other. each other. They were pals. Yeah. I think they and still are pals. Yeah. They, and they still oh, yeah. are. But they, they do have very different route running styles. And so it's mm-hmm. it's like it's diff- they, like the skill set they have is very similar. And the way that they express the skill set is very different. So it's like really difficult to figure out what they took from each other. But they might have, right? Like it's even if Diggs like runs a route in an exaggerated way, a lot different than Thielen runs it in a subtle way. There are a lot of things that they might be able to take from each other, like how they run a comeback. They're like, we both agree that you got to have your shoulders over your knees when you're running a comeback because it looks like you like, you know, or something. Right. So it's possible. Right. But they don't, they don't look like they play like each other. I do feel like there's more emphasis on like the art of route running, like in social media, People posting the all-22s more often. Look at this route. Oh, nasty. He broke his ankles. Oh, destroyed. Like 90% of those posts are whip outs. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I I think that it's the like... The Chad it, Beebe route. It's very cool to be a good route runner now. And I think these guys like kind of eat that up. They want to they want to learn from the best. They want to figure out how to, to be that next guy who sends a quarterback down to the ground. 
Um, I would, uh, I, I would not be surprised if Thielen passes off some of his intel to the next young Panthers receivers. Um, before we move on, I want to talk about this Lamar Jackson rumor a little bit to the Vikings. I'm going to tell you about Built Bar. You can still go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Vote for your favorite Built Bars or Built Puffs, Cookies and Cream. My personal favorite, you can vote for that bar too or whatever you want. Support your team, support your Puffs, support your Built Bar, and become one of the 50 lucky Lockdown listeners to get a free box of Built. One Lockdown fan wins a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or Puffs delivered straight to your door. Got to try Built. Best protein bar ever with high protein, low sugar, and 100% real chocolate, and also a cadre of delicious, delectable flavors. Did I mention real chocolate? Yeah, 100%. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day for the rest of March. Hop in and support your pick. So this is the, the quote from, oh, I closed out the tab. Why do I do that? The Jeremy uh, Fowler quote. Jeremy Fowler quote. Now, this does not sound like a report, colon. This is not a source, colon. This is Jeremy Fowler just dropping this in. Was it NFL Live or another ESPN Sports show Center. saying? Sports Center. Uh, Center. I talked to an executive in the league about uh, landing spots for Lamar Jackson, and they think that the Vikings could be a dark horse candidate as Kirk Cousins is in the final year of his contract, and they might look to reshape their identity. So it's, it doesn't sound like it's coming from a source. It sounds like it's coming Correct. from someone who just understands on the, on what they think is a good fit, the landscape of the league. Yeah. And is speculating. I don't so, personally see it, but it, are there some legs to this? We, we would not be talking about this if it wasn't for bad Twitter aggregators. People who has I'm yeah I'm I'm right you know I'm you're 100 percent right, 100% right. <laughs> yeah, yeah right like people whose sole a job is maybe a strong word here but sole like reason for being right is to <laughs> their purpose aggregate online. yeah exactly to aggregate online content put it on their own Twitter feed uh and and more often they're like correctly sourcing things which is better than it was like three four years ago when they were just reporting it as if they were reporting it. But uh, but pairing it with like graphics and edits to make it seem more likely, um, it's 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 a bad use of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> um, and and someone very recently got dragged for it. I think um, I think they probably should experience a little bit less of the harassment that they've received for it. But just generally speaking, there has been a backlash against these kinds of accounts because they are fundamentally misreporting without actually kind of misreporting in the same way because the sentences they use are not inaccurate but the way that they frame it the way that mm -hmm. they bring it across makes it seem much more solid than what was originally reported we wouldn't be like it's just some guy asked a league executive which is not a nothing ask right it's not like you're, it's not like you're asking somebody on the street like a league executive in theory would know like you said sam the landscape of the league what's going to make sense they're taking into account, based on the quote, taking into account things like time horizons, right? When they'll have to move on from Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee mm -hmm. or Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, taking to all of that account when they when they when they speculate, but they are speculating, right? There's no report, and so um, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't for these kinds of Twitter accounts. 
That's my let take. me yeah, let me also complain too about sort of the article structure in, on today's web. If it's not a subscription website, obviously it's it's ad based, it's click based, and they've now discovered which and you we find can this love. Con- by the way, those can and, be good. It, Sam, yeah, not not all bad at all. Um, I'm sure Arif, you abide by still a semblance of the the upside down pyramid or the reverse pyramid oh, okay. style yeah, of, yeah. of journalism. Um, no, you do. No, you're like a semblance of journalistic integrity. It was like semblance, Sam. No, I don't. No. Yeah, my my writing structure is not quite the upside. Wholeheartedly. Down. Yeah. But now, right. yeah, but now the aggregators have gone to the pyramid, where they give oh, yeah. you the crumbs at the beginning and the meat at the bottom, so you have to scroll and get the ad. So an article might say there was an explosive report that links the Lamar Jackson to the Minnesota Vikings. First, let me tell you who Lamar Jackson is. Lamar Jackson went to Louisville. <laughs> And then it's, was drafted exactly, by the you, Baltimore Ravens. We need it. you to it's stay exactly, on our page that's exactly for more than 45 seconds. That's exactly how these are God. Written. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, Luke Braun, safe to say we can expect some photoshops of Lamar Jackson Already in, seen uh, him. in purple. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't that's be that hard. hard for you. Yeah. How, how do you get Lamar Jackson in purple? That's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, uh, people the same do, number as the draft. Right? Yeah. Right? So with with Kirk's restructure, that pretty much precludes this for this year, right? Because they if they if they were gonna get Lamar Jackson, that probably would mean that they're looking to find a way to trade Kirk Cousins, get him to waive the no trade or whatever. That big restructure makes that uh, more difficult, more difficult, maybe even impossible. I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, that's so that's they, not they but, like what two void years, right? So if they yeah, they, I'm, I'm just taking and, and converted a bunch of signing bonus. Yeah, which then would come right back on the books. Right, and it, it, it just yeah. So if the Vikings traded Kirk Cousins right now, I'm taking a look at the over the cap calculator, which does include the two additional void years and mm-hmm. the uh, conversion of uh, roster bonus into signing bonus. The Vikings would take on an additional 18.5 million in dead cap. So yeah. the net, I should say, not dead cap in in cap space. The net cap space is negative 18.5 in a trade. Yep. Yeah. That's so that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Rip to that idea. Yeah. Nope. But next year. But, yeah. Hey, look. Hey, when the Ravens tag him again, <laughs> if, yeah. they, if he plays on that tag, maybe they don't want to tag him again. Maybe the, maybe the, the, the year goes belly up because he's really upset at the organization. And that is a recipe for failure as a team. Maybe things go belly up. Maybe they don't tag him again. Maybe he hits the market a little better. Maybe they non-exclusive tag him again, and we can have this same conversation, but this time without a quarterback on the on the books. The uh, right. So when Kirk Cousins was tagged twice in a row, first it was a non-exclusive tag, and then it was the exclusive tag. So that's something to keep in mind. Hmm. It's possible that the Ravens do that. So so contract wise, if Kirk Cousins was dealt, dead cap for next year, the twenty eight million. Does that stay on the Vikings books next yes. year? Okay. It oh, hits we, us this year instead. It hits us this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, cause that all accelerates into, into the year that they're traded. If yeah. he's traded after June 1st, uh, it, it does create a net cap savings over the next two years. Um, okay. It would be uh, a net gain of 10 million in cap space this year, which is, Probably not enough to accommodate a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, unless the structure is crazy. Um, and the next year stays the same, right? And the next year, yeah, it's like 18 point. Well, no, it's it's, it's, it's still 28.5. Um, I think it's less 10. So the net savings oh. is 18.25. Hmm. 
Um, okay, I have another. Year. I have another cap question. Um, if you guys are willing to indulge me, Jim, uh, Jamar Jefferson. Who is that? Justin Jefferson's Jamar. extension. Jamar Jefferson is a player. I think he is. <laughs> yeah. Can was he a former Viking? No, uh, he's a Lions running back. Okay, I was right. Oh, okay, nice. So, That's can not- they introduce that extension? And add zero dollars to the cap this year, or does the signing would the signing bonus proration start this year, or can they delay that? Uh, well, they technically don't need to have a signing bonus, but that would be what it would take, and well, that's okay. probably not the case. I I don't think they can manipulate this year's cap number with an extension. I don't. Well, they would add to it if they gave him a signing bonus. Well, I'm well, I'm saying yeah, because it's very low right now. I'm saying can they avoid adding to it? Oh, assuming easily. that they need to extend very yeah, just don't do a signing bonus. Okay. But um, you, you have to get Justin Jefferson you, to agree. You can to that. do, you can do. So this actually happens uh, fairly often with rookie contracts. You can do a signing bonus uh, and it doesn't hit you this year because it comes into effect uh, the next year. Oh, because it comes into effect like on the new years of the deal. Yeah. Ah, that makes sense. Hmm. So yeah, okay. you can extend. Yeah. You, you actually, it's, I, it's near impossible to change this year's cap number. So yeah, you could do an extension without uh, hurting yeah. this year's cap because it's hard to do anything to this year's cap for uh, the Justin Jefferson contract. And then TJ Hawkinson, that's the other domino. Um, Nine million against the cap this year. I assume they'll try to keep that, you know, under 10, certainly with an extension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's doable. Yeah. I don't think that needs to introduce it's new super money. Super doable. Yeah. Um, I mean, they'll, they'll have to extend him in that case. It would introduce new money, but yeah. Um, super doable. Cool. Ezra Cleveland. Is he a sneaky extension candidate or is this just to play out the deal situation? I'm just going down the play out the last year. And then we talk about it next February. Yeah. But I I wouldn't, you're not, I don't think you're doing it now, but you could, I could see it next February, but I think we, we see one more year before we decide. Yeah, I it wouldn't bother me if they did it now. I think that he's played well. Yeah, me either. Yeah. Well, and this is this is his contract year, right? So if he plays well, yeah, yeah. he's probably hitting the market. Probably. I would guess. Or you're um, you're negotiating under those uh, in that environment which might make him a little more expensive. But hey, if he plays great this year, you might be all right with that. Yeah. Um I want to tell folks, uh, Luke Edmond is on today's show. I just want to promote his newsletter because Luke Edmond is hard at work on the NFL Draft Buzz newsletter, uh, which you can subscribe to at LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. Get the biggest stories in the NFL Draft cycle. He's talking combine. He's got rankings. Uh, Luke Edmond's NFL Draft Buzz newsletter, LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. Uh, let's wind down with one of these. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. All right, I'm doing my first. My party foul is on me for not anticipating that the hotel would not honor the loose agreement that I had asked for last night that uh, they extend my sign-out time. Uh, We are recording this early because uh, I have to check out uh, local time here, noon, no, normal checkout time, uh, if people are familiar, is, is typically 11. And the guy last night said, one is probably doable. And, you know, he gave me enough language in there that I should have anticipated that a little bit. If better. he said it in that way, yeah, 
you have yeah. every reason to be. So that that party foul is on me for forcing this podcast to record earlier than it needed to be. Luke Braun. I've, th- I've never had a problem with that. That's actually kind of, I've, I've party foul in the hotel. That feels like a pretty easy thing usually. Yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, look, I'm not going to tell you which hotel I'm staying at. If you're like really dedicated, you could probably take a look at the background and figure it out. I'm not expecting the world of this particular establishment. Okay, fair enough. Uh, my party foul goes to uh, FAU basketball player Elijah Martin, Aww. who at the end of their game uh, against Fairleigh Dickinson goes for a celebratory. They had won the game. The, the clock was going out. Goes for a celebratory 360 dunk. Everybody's talking about how it's unclassy and an unsportsman. Like, I actually don't care about going for the dunk. You're young. Yeah. You're having the time of your life. You're winning a game in the March Madness. At the tournament. Go ham. It's your one shot moment. Right? You got to make the dunk, dude. He <laughs> no, did he miss the dunk. The dunk? It goes he, horribly. Oh. He missed the dunk. Dude, oh. you got to make the dunk. Do you know that costs the over? That's for some betters. Really? Oh, that that's why everyone's so mad, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, that's beautiful, actually. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, and you're probably lucky that they even attempted a shot, right? Like, you assume yeah, if, you if you're an over better, yeah, you're lucky that they assume. Yeah, yeah. You, that was, in that for was the dunk. Gravy. And then missed. That would have been a worse an, beat okay. than the TCU one. Oh, okay, my so. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, so the, juicy. The, that's uh, so you good. gotta make uh, it, man. Hit the dunk. You've got the, I'm surprised because you often have wrong takes, but you've got the correct take here. We should not be castigating the kid for attempting it. But the thing is, when you're there, you are cashing a check, right? <laughs> like, it, it is a bigger risk to do something like that at the end of a game. Uh, I, I don't know, morally speaking. Uh, and now the check is bounced. It is, you are yeah. now liable for a lot more than if you'd done nothing at all. So, yeah, I agree that you, he magnified the stakes and failed to meet them. He took a swing. I get it. But now now you, you got to get clowned on. You missed yeah, it. That's it. Arif. You've made it through 46 minutes of this recording, and you've yet to brag about where you stand in the pool. Do you know where you stand in the pool? Yeah, I'm fourth, oh, I think, in the pool? Ron Johnson uh, tournament, and I've got the highest maximum points available to me out of anybody. That, yeah. You have your you entire Princeton. Final Four intact. Yeah, I got my entire Final Four. I had a good chunk of my Elite Eight. Uh, thanks, Purdue. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> But well, I still that probably have... helps you though. Because it does. It does. Be... Yeah, yeah, it does. And that helps me. Yeah. Which I think this is like, I think people think about brackets the wrong way for sure. Yeah. I probably did this on like, the last show. Oh, my brackets like, buzz, but everyone's brackets everyone's busted. Everyone's brackets busted. Pool, the so only goal you... is to have the least busted bracket. Right. Yeah, and so correct. if you don't have Purdue advancing to, uh, you know, the championship game or that Purdue losing is great for you. Right. So, like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I only it's all about right final now. four retention, which yeah, you have done. And, and so yeah, so I've got I've got I've got the maximum available points to me. I've got the fourth most points. This is not a great round for me right now in terms of uh points I'm scoring right now. But uh the the teams that are losing are not teams I had in my final four and advancing very far. So it's fine. I uh I I could have used some different resolutions in the Tennessee's Dukes, Louisiana's portion of that bracket. That that one's pretty rough. But Whatever. That part of the bracket is destroyed for me either way. Go Spartans. Same. I actually have them in the final four as well. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I've also got Texas, or I'm sorry, I've got um UCLA and Houston on the I think other. I've side. got Connecticut and Houston. So I, that's that's to me is the difference there. You have Texas. I have Texas? Oh yeah. Texas. Go Longhorns. Houston. Yeah. Longhorns, right? Yeah. Within the same state. Uh, Luke Braun, not quite as as rosy an outcome for you. Am You're I in dead 50, last? 56th of 64. 
Yeah, not last. It's yes. Garrett Bradbury type stuff, huh? Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Luke Braun, you have exactly one Final Four team left and no finalists. Who's his Final Four team? Is it Bama? Houston. Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Houston, uh, Texas, no, I Arizona, and Final this Four. <laughs> and I, I, I had Purdue and Kansas in the uh, final. I got really owned by that. Uh, I also had Marquette in the Elite Eight and Virginia in the Elite Eight. They're out. I, I, I respect the gamble to put Marquette there, but the rest. A conscious the... thing I absolutely did on purpose knowing it was risky. Yep. Okay, so here's here's the thing. Sam, the reason I haven't bragged, and you know me, I am very braggadocious. I'm very proud of my successes and blind to my failures, right? That's who I am. Uh, it's easy to be blind to your failures when you don't have very many, of course. But uh, <laughs> the reason I haven't been bragging about this is because I have no idea what's happening in college basketball. Remember, Luke, earlier this segment, Luke explained to me what happened in a critical game. And I was like, oh, did he miss? There's that's a 16 crazy. seed playing in the round of 32. It was dope. Yeah, that's crazy. He missed? Wild. Tell me more. Right? Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I picked guys. I picked teams based off of, like, hey, man, when I was in high school, this team was, like, pretty good. Right? <laughs> like yeah. That, UConn. That, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, UConn. Hey, right? UCLA was really good for a lot. They got to go actually, far. Actually, <laughs> Kevin Love. <laughs> actually, UConn was a little bit different. I picked UConn to go pretty far because I saw a TikTok. So that one's a little bit different. Um, okay, I'll, I'll count that well informed research. on that one. You did yeah. your research. Yeah, otherwise, the only reason I picked Princeton was because of Quasi. <laughs> Wait, do you have that? Did you have them winning again? No, no. it's actually very unfortunate because you had Missouri in the Elite Eight and they drew a 15 seed and could have easily been in the Sweet 16 and then they lost. Yeah, yeah, I, sh- I, sh- I should have trusted Quasi's Tigers a little bit more. Yeah, man. And uh, Ziggy Wilf's Far- Fairly Dickinson Knights, right? Or, or was it the other Wilf? One of the Wilfs went to the school at the 16 seed. Wow. How are the Wilfs not funding that program a little better? They don't have a band. They don't have like a full-time media relations. I saw saw the Dayton band showed up and they bought like Party City plastic swords. That rules. (laughs) That's the most college basketball. I love that. That's great. That's the stuff that's good about the tournament. Um, My party foul is uh, bad aggregators. And that is our show. Or if you got to check out of your hotel. Um, oh, yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you like make the bed as you leave? Or do you just, is it just like however you got out of it, you leave it? Yeah, it's however I got out of it. This is not like a, it's their job sort of thing, but it like kind of is because, because here's the thing. They have to replace the sheets regardless. So they're going to have to make the bed. So I'm not, I'm actually probably adding work if I make the bed. But also, I, I, I don't do anything. I just leave a tip. It's like, oh, I, I left the room a little bit extra messy. Well, here's a tip, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, he knows his hotel etiquette. He's Arif Hassan at Arif Hassan NFL, Pro Football Network. Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings at Luke Braun NFL. Check him out on Twitter. I'm at Sam Ekstrom. And we'll be back tomorrow with Luke Inman talking draft and all the latest Minnesota Vikings news on the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.